I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement. That's my little sign-on. It's me and Walter Cronkite. <laughs> or, or who is it? Uh, Paul Harvey. Good day. That's my good day. You need a catchphrase. I do. I do yeah. need a catchphrase. Well, that's it. That's it, yeah. So I what you're saying is I need a better one because no, I just no. gave my catchphrase. No, it, you and said you're telling intro. me I need a catchphrase. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm re- rebranding it as a catchphrase. No better introduction than that right there for Amy Oworth. Hi, Amy. Hello. Uh, this is um, the second half of season one of, uh, I don't know how long I'm going to make people wait. <laughs> Not as long as the second half of 1883. Oh boy, so true good. story. So good. Oh my gosh, that ending, that last episode. Oh, oh. And we knew it was coming. Yeah, but spoiler still. alerts, man. Yeah. Spoiler alerts, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So um, I'm, now I'm going out and I'm talking to folks about retirement and not necessarily people who are or about to uh, someone I I reached out to Jim Lindbergh a because I worship Jim Lindbergh Mm -hmm. and B because I think it's a really interesting notion to be a punk rock God and talk about retirement how cool is that because punk rockers don't retire they die of overdoses die so yeah so to have this Jim Lindbergh, who's a little bit older than me, actually. And, and so anyway, I reached out to him. His response, he did not take kindly to the idea that I would even consider him for the topic of retirement. That's awesome. And that's I that's the, the most punk response you could get, right? <laughs> Which is why I loved yeah, it. Because yeah. normally I'd be like, oh, a guy I really look up to is like angry with me about this. But I thought, how punk rock is it totally consistent. that he wants to tear out my throat? Yeah, because that's good. So I'm talking to a lot of, of, of different people. And... What, in, what intrigued me about your story or the idea of talking to you is, is what we'll get into. But uh, with everyone, I, I want to give some context to how we know each other. Excellent. So when I started in the district as a principal, you were on the school board. I, I was. I think I was president at the time. It was right after we hired Mike Matthews. Mm-hmm. I was on the board and hired Mike, and then Mike hired you. That's right. And... Um, and you were on the board for how long? How long were you on the board? Total of Two. almost eight years. But after I started, how long? I can't remember. Because those I, are the only years that matter. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I left the school board in 2011 to oh. run for city council. So we were only together one year. Yeah. It seems like it was longer than no, that. No, but you know, my kids went through Costa. Oh, there you go. So yeah. we, we, and I was always supportive of your efforts. And right? incredibly involved. Yes. Incredibly involved. Um, I, the... There's a lot of stories I want to tell about us okay. uh, as, as, as colleagues or, you know, community members. But um, one of the ones I want to tell about you is something had happened at Costa. It was something awful, which that's, that's, that doesn't give a clue of what it was because there were so many things that happened. That it's high like, school. It's bound Ugh. to be awful things. Yeah. But something had happened that was awful. And you might remember when I tell a story, but you called me up and said, let's go to lunch. Okay. And we met down on uh, Highland, and we went to lunch. 
a little cafe there. Yeah, can, the Cafe Venice or whatever. Yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to remember. Yeah. And you and and we we small talked and and we've always been able to do that well. And then we got around to the topic and 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 you said, uh, I want to ask you a question. You said, uh, Does what's happening bother you? Because what in context, what had happened, whatever had happened, I was being vilified for it, mm-hmm. per usual, unfairly. And you saw that, and mm-hmm. you had empathy for that, and you wanted to know if it was affecting me. Hmm. Like, did it bother me? Okay. You remember this? I'm, I'm starting to, yeah. Okay. I remember the question. It's, yes. And I said, you said, so how are you doing? Does this bother you, what's happening? And I, and I looked at you and I said, yeah. And you said, I'm so glad to hear that. Hmm. Which was not the response I was expecting. And I said, really, why? Because that can go any direction. Right, right. Because you're a bastard and you deserve it. I want you to suffer. (laughs) Yeah. And you said, because it shows that you're human. Okay. And the fact that you're willing to tell me shows that you're comfortable being vulnerable. Humanity and vulnerability had never been things that have been ascribed to me prior to that. Okay. And being from Texas, those two things are kind of new terms to me anyway. Well, and you're a tall guy. It's like passion project. Right. (laughs) What the hell is that? You know? So there's all these California things. Sure. sure. And yes, yes, I have a size and a presence and, you know, um, but... That never left me, that conversation. And hearing you say, you weren't saying this, but it was loud and clear. It's okay to be in a leadership position and yet be and be able to feel real human emotion and it'd be okay. Mm -hmm. And also be okay with being vulnerable and showing vulnerability when Everything I was ever taught was, no, you're the rock of Gibraltar. So where, where does that come from in you? That ability, that whole thing, that whole, the empathy, the ability to see it like that. Like, where in the world do you get that from? Wow. Well, first of all, it, it, if this were on video, uh, you would have seen my face contort a lot there, <laughs> trying to think of where does it come from, right? And like thinking, um, you know, I grew up in this really small town in Ohio. I talk about that a lot. If you've known me for yeah. five minutes, you know that my dad owned the town bar in Coshocton, Ohio. And um, I really always wanted to still be connected to people even so when i came to california um and you know live in manhattan beach it you know it's sort of this you know an upper atmosphere beautiful place right and i just it was always really important for me to connect with people for who they are because the guy sitting on the bar stool in my dad's bar who's you know 30 years sober and is a brilliant man and knows everything about every war that's ever been fought, you know, can easily be overlooked if you don't want to see people. So it's always been important for me to see people. Yeah. Right. And, and it's always been important for me to not uh, just look at people on either coast. You know, a lot of 
politicians, if you will, will make that mistake. I, I just, it's so fundamental to who I am. And maybe that's empathetic, but it's just this desire to see people. And I, and I just think with being a good leader and building community, when, if you can show vulnerability, uh, you're more successful. People trust you more. They want to connect with you and, and share experiences with you. I think that's so important. I don't know if that's the answer, but it's what I have right now. Yeah. I'm really touched that you remember that and that had an impact on you. Later tonight, you're going to still be thinking about that. And like, where does it? Hey, Ben. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do part two. Okay, we'll do part two. We'll Perfect. do part two. Perfect. And then my uh, other story is kind of likened to it. Uh, so uh, I get hired and, you know... However, people find out things. <laughs> I know where this is going. They I find know out on the Mormon guy. Yep, yep, yep. So you came in. Did you come in with Ellen or Penny? I thought I came in by myself. No, but... you came with another board member. Okay, it might have been Ellen. I don't know. I think it was Ellen. Probably. And you came in with Ellen Rosenberg, another board member. Hi, Ellen. And uh, um, you sat down and in your office. In my office. And you were having a what drink were you drinking? Diet Coke. Uh huh. I didn't yes. want to say. I want to out you. Well. You know, okay. but I'm off of it now. Good. Doctor's it's, orders. Not yeah, like, no, no. It's doctors, not healthy. Not God. It's not healthy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Doctor's orders. All, no judgment. It's all good. It's all good, <laughs> yeah. man. Well, if I didn't listen to the doctors and stop, I would be talking to God because it was saying. killing me. That's what I'm saying. It was saying. tearing up my stomach. Yeah, no, it's horrible. Lining. Anyway, Sponsored yeah. by Diet Coke. All so right. I came in. <laughs> so well, you and Ellen came in and we sat down and you um, started asking me very direct questions about my religion. I think I even used Latter-day Saints, which for a non-LDS person, I thought was pretty woke, to use that word that's overused. <laughs> it, was, it was very religiously woke. I think Is that a thing? It is now. <laughs> it we is can now. make it. But I remember... Hashtag. It's I, trending. So, yeah, I remember asking, and I remember your response, but keep going with what you're saying. I'll no, say, I want you now to tell the story. Okay. I remember it just being me, but that's because maybe I'm just so self-centered. Sorry, Ellen. Yeah. No, but I remember like hearing it, and it wasn't like something that I thought was bad at all. But in, I wanted to, you know, know you. Not and a, you wanted to know what it meant. I wanted to know what it meant, and I wanted, and it was sort of my gut. I, I don't think I heard anything. It, yeah. There wasn't like a whisper campaign, but you know, I, I have a sense. Call it a, maybe it's a Mormon dar, you know, a radar. I don't know. Or I have uh -huh. senses about people. Again, yeah. I like to see people. Yeah. And I was confused because he always had the darn Diet Coke. <laughs> so we came in and, and, and what you said, which was so great, like first off, you're like, wow, you know, thanks for asking that question because if that comes through and how I interact that I, you know, I'm a member of, you know, the... LDS Church, I am so proud. I am so glad that comes through. And I thought, that's a really cool response. And then we, we talked about it and, um, you know, continued to have discussions probably throughout the years about different things related to the church. Yeah. Um, but that's what I remember is that you were like so, you were kind of thrilled. Like, and I was like, I, it, it's that discussion is the same discussion I want to have with people. You know, when I go to somebody and say, hey, you're um, Asian-American. Tell me what it feels like for you right now yeah. as there's anti-Asian hate crimes happening. Like, I just want to go and say, educate me. And I want to be direct about it. And so far, no one has uh, poured a Diet Coke on my head. But, you know, I just wanted to ask you, educate me. Tell me what it means. What I loved about it 
was in a lot of uh, leaders in this religion can identify is people assume things and they pass judgment <clears throat> and they either go and it's in equal measure they either say wow we really like that about you because the the values that we know and people of your faith are generally right. positive for the organization right. or they go because of your organization's stance on things I'm just going to hate you without right. knowing anything about right. you. So what I respected was that you came in first seeking to understand. Hmm. And I and I instantly saw it cuz you could tell your questions were genuine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. And, and 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 I didn't feel like they were leading to something. And I had just come off of an experience at my previous school that was negative in that regard. No, I didn't know that. And yeah. well, because I was at the previous school during Prop Eight. Oh, that's we did talk about yeah. Prop Eight, and, and you, you told, nuanced it, and it, you know. Yeah, you did go there, and I answered very directly, which was okay, because then it was patently clear to me that you turned in, you went from being uh, 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 Amy Holworth, a person who is seeking to understand. And it was really obvious to transition. You went to Amy Holworth, a board president, who wanted to know if the positions promoted by my religion were going to outweigh in me and my decision making. For high school students. Me looking at the pros and cons or the merits of an argument and making a decision. Right. So I could just I could just read it on you. And I remember addressing it by saying that, um, that I was strong in my belief system, but I was kids first. You, you absolutely said that, and I believed it, and I witnessed it time and time again. And I knew it was a hard thing to say because I had no body of work for you to... Right. And I remember saying that. I remember saying... And I know that's a school leader thing to say, but what I hope is you give me a chance over time to prove it, which I feel like I did. Absolutely. Um, and oftentimes, literally walking with kids and standing with kids mm -hmm. uh, in, in social justice issues. Yeah. And, and so I appreciated the fact that you were so great at that. No, thank you. By a asking the question, because you're seeking to understand as a human, but then also advocating for what you felt was right and making sure that the people around you, or at least if they weren't with you, at least you wanted to know. Like, if I would have said, hey, forget about it. If it doesn't align with my religion, I'm not siding with that issue. Right. You know? Then I would know. You would know. And then, then I would know. And start <laughs> working behind the scenes to get know. me replaced. No, no, no. I, I didn't yeah. interfere in that stuff. <clears throat> no, I didn't. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I was, you said something about I didn't make an assumption. And I think that's so important. And I think it's a little bit about what's missing today in the world. Yeah. We make assumptions. And I've, I've worked with several people who, well, I was on a city council for two terms and school boards before that. And I actually love running campaigns. I love you know, the strategy of it and the excitement of it. So I've worked with people locally. And it's funny when they think, of, when I say to them, go ask so-and-so for an endorsement. And they'll say, oh, well, that person uh, voted this way or, or didn't, you know, supported this thing, so they won't support me. And I'm like, why would you assume anything? Mm -hmm. Go talk to them, be honest, let them know your positions, let them know if you think there's a 
but never assume. Yeah. And I think we make that mistake. And obviously, uh, in 2022, you know, I think everybody's really concerned about, you know, we label folks, we talk to our own echo chambers and silos a lot. And so there's a lot of assumptions made. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, I think the way you frame, you know, you frame this discussion was it's so interesting. And it, it did immediately, you know, immediately I connected to one from the small town. And I but I never want to assume things about people based on what they look like, what mm-hmm. they who they say they vote for. You know, I just don't want to do that. That's so, so great. Yeah, so great. You. And you you are very political and involved heavily in politics. But I, I, I want to just take a couple of steps back. You talked about being from Ohio. Mm hmm. Uh, what what did your your dad was a bar owner? Yes, sir. Right, and what what did mom do? So well, mom was a homemaker. Um, it had been her father's business. Um, he had come to this country from Greece, Macedonia. We're not really sure, and he had been a vegetable fruit seller, um, and then opened a tavern. Uh, uh, probably during prohibition, he was probably who knows. But then he opened like the first bar legally after prohibition but it also was a grocery store bar and restaurant and so then my dad bought it from him so my mom had grown up there but she was a homemaker okay and and you always um how do i say this and not get in trouble you always find moments here or there right when it's appropriate and don't don't you kind of try to sell like you were a farm girl don't you do that i country girl country girl not farm not farm i grew up on 30 acres land but it was a hill okay I never, I never. Okay. But yeah. there's pictures. Didn't you get married on the back of a tractor? Oh, yeah. Well, we had to have a tractor to mow 30 acres of land. You know, a bush hog. You know, it had a mower on the okay. back. It was a 1948 Ford tractor. We still own it in the family. Can I just say, <laughs> you are the least country person I know. I know. So another thing. I had thing, my own 410 shotgun. We never talked about this. No, I had my own 410 shotgun and we went rabbit hunting. I had my, I have my coat upstairs where I'd keep the dead rabbits the whole bit. You know, Mike and I always found great joy in that. Yes. When you would c- c- come oh. up with your country farm girl analogies and were like, is there anybody less country than Amy Howard? No, nah, man, but uh, let's just roll with it. You know? Yeah, so you thought I was... Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I, I know I believed you, and I, and I know you to be honest in every way, shape, form, and authenticity. It's true. But it was just so... It is not likely. I mean... But he, by the way... Yeah. When I'm in California, I often get pegged as like a hayseed oh i'm sure right like a hick and mike too for sure but when i'm in texas (laughs) everybody says man you've gone california for sure isn't that funny you get that when you go back to ohio nine thousand percent although so my one brother my brothers they paid me the ultimate compliment it's about 10 years ago maybe they don't think so anymore no but (laughs) you know sadly my mother passed away and i was home and they said, you know, we never feel like you are looking down on us. And, you know, here you are, you know, you're, you're, you live in Los Angeles and, you know, the mayor knows who you are, you know, and you're the mayor and, yeah. you know, you, you live a pretty fancy lifestyle, but we never feel you're looking down on us. So that always feels that's good. That's cool. That's, that's like the greatest thing. But there are people who really think I've gone California. Well, because as you've told me here on air and you've told me off air, that really touched on what you value. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be seen ever as looking down on people. No. 
because you really want to connect with people. Right. So they hit on the one thing, like, you know, talking about Dr. Matthews. Right. You know what his number one most important thing about himself that he wanted other people? That he loves barbecue. Trust. Oh, trust. You can trust him. Okay. So you remember the one meeting where they had the word trust with the circle with the line through it? What they didn't know is that struck at the core of what he values. Yeah. For me, it's relationships. Okay. I want our relationship to be strong. Right. And if our relationship's not strong, I fret about how to fix it until it's strong again. Mm -hmm. And so when staff would say, uh, uh, he doesn't care about us. That yeah. was like the worst thing they could say. Yeah. Because oh, it struck at yeah. my core. So right. when they said, well, you never feel like you look down on us. Yeah. That was validating. From the compliment perspective, they struck right at one of your core values about yourself, I think. They did, except then there'd be those times I'd be calling my mom, from, you know, yeah. in the car on the way to Beverly Hills mm. to the doctor, mm-hmm. right? Because my doctors are in Beverly Hills. And yeah. she'd say, Oh my God, you know, who are, you know, can yeah. I tell her about the celebrities I'd see? You're and, going to see Bob Hope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I would. Mom, I would he's see, been dead 20 years. No, but I like, <laughs> you know, rode the elevator up with Dustin Hoffman, had yeah. lunch next to Liza Minnelli, you know. And so. Now you do look down on Dustin Hoffman. I, see what I did there? <laughs> see what I did there? True story. He's like four foot one he's or something. Well over four feet. He's well over four feet. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. Yeah. So thanks. where'd yeah. you go? Where'd you go to school? I don't know that about you. Alka Shockton High School, and then I went mm-hmm. to Ohio University in Athens, which is not the Ohio State University. Yeah, it's the green and white. Yeah, Ohio. very good. Well, of course, Thank you're you. an educator. Yeah, and I mean, although. And the Colonel's from Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. So I have a little bit of Ohio knowledge. Yeah, so Athens, Ohio, and then after that, moved to Boston for six years, then San Francisco, then down here. Okay, so after, and what'd you major in in school? Communications with a minor in poli sci and French. <laughs> so other than the French, you're doing exactly in politics what you're... It's pretty true. And when I went to Boston, the first couple of years I was working for um, something called a stock photo agency. So mm. textbook publishers would call us up with a list. And we had we had a photo archive. Uh, actually, for all you kids out there, there were actual photographs mm. that we had in actual filing cabinets. So I would know where to find that one picture of the jaguar with an armadillo in its mouth. I knew yeah. what that was filed under, and I would send that to the biology textbooks. All my Texas buddies are like, there's jaguars in Texas. <laughs> That's beautiful. Because the armadillo. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah. I, okay. I, uh, yeah. hey, hey, guess what I heard on Ben's podcast? There's jaguars in Texas. That's right. That's right. Who knew? Such Mind a great blown. podcast. Mind blown. You should listen to it. Wow, you learn things. No, so then after that, but after that, I went to WGBH Public Television, and it was funny because someone at the time was like, wow, you really are working in your yeah. you know, major. Yeah. And I was a photo librarian, too, and a whatever, and then... You were a librarian? Photo librarian. Okay. <laughs> but I almost went back to school to so major. Like you're, you're not crazy enough to be a librarian. Oh, but I love it. You know, I'm, I'm still the family archivist, and okay. it, the kids right now will call me up and say, or text me, Mom, where's that picture of... You know, the time we met, you know, Mickey Mouse and Jody, my aunt, yeah. my sister was there. And I'll be like, please hold and I'll just send it right and to it's them. right behind the photo of the Jaguar with an armadillo yeah, Absolutely. I mean, forever. Yeah. So I, 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 at one point, almost went back to school for library science because I thought, this is so... I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff. Yeah. About a lot of stuff. Anyway. And then you realize that all librarians are crazy. 
I didn't See, say that. That's let, Ben Dale said let, that. Doctor Dale said that. You let me fling that joke out there twice before I know, you called me on I know. I will never say that. <laughs> <clears throat> so and then um, went to San Francisco. Well, I met my husband yeah. in Boston. Yeah. That was fun. And then he was moving back to San Francisco, and I was like, I, I probably said yes too quickly, but I wanted to get out of the winter. Yeah. So moved to San Francisco. And when were you with Wired? The cool, yeah, so get to San Francisco and whatever year, I mean, Wired Magazine was just forming and I'd gone to Macworld, the expo, mm -hmm. just, I was freelance stuff, doing stuff, and got my free copy of Wired, the very first edition, and I said, oh, this is it, this is the future, this yeah. is the magazine of the future, and I opened it up and it was being published in San Francisco, which is weird, they're all back east. And it was a few blocks away, so I walked over there from no Macworld. And I can remember what I was wearing. I was wearing like capri like jeans and little white lace socks with ballet flats and like a little white lace headband. So this is like 1990? Yeah. yeah. Like 1990, 91. Because it was the Madonna headband. Mm -hmm. yeah. Desperately Seeking Susan. Yes, yes, yes. The Meg Ryan so, headband. Yeah. yeah, so exactly. So I can remember what I was wearing because I go down there and... You, there's no doorbell. It's an old building. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? So I take a rock and I throw it up to hit the window. And somebody opens the window and leans out. And I'm like, hey, is this Wired Magazine? Yeah, I'd like to come up. Okay, and they drop the keys out. What a great story. Yeah, so I go up and, I, and they say, oh, yeah, well, you can, you can intern. I, want, I said, I want to be your photo editor because that was sort of like the dream for me is to be a photo editor. I'm like, well, you have great credentials. And you've worked with these people, and that's great, but we can't pay you. And you know, I was only—I was like 28 at the time, and I said, "You know what?" Or 26. Mm -hmm. You call me when you can pay me, and I walked away. Really? So I was like, "What did I just do?" Because at 28, you're still in the ramen yeah. and ragu part yeah. of your oh, life. Oh, for sure. You can live off that. So I was like, "What did I just?" Do? And it was opportunity. What did I just do? I'm like, "No, Look, come on, you're going to pay me. I know what I'm doing." Yeah. And I don't know, it was probably four or five months later, Mark and I got married. And so, and I was changing my name. On the back of the tractor. On the back of the tractor. Yeah. I was changing my name to his name. And I'm thinking, this is sort of going to, I've got all this stuff to do. How am I going to easily start being Amy Howorth instead of Amy Thomas? Well, I got a call from the design director at Wired, like a day after we'd been back from our honeymoon. Hey, you want to come in? We can pay you now. And they, he said, we should interview you. I'm like, yeah, you should. And I went in, and they hired me. And I was employee number 17 at Wired. Wow. That was really cool. That's like the coolest thing about me, I think. It, no, there's, yeah. Yeah, well, tons, I think it's Tons cool. more. Okay. Tons of other cool things. So it's not the only cool thing. No, okay. Okay, so what's remarkable about that, remarkable about that is they remembered you off of that one encounter and thought enough of you to call you back. That's rarefied air, man. Well. That's rarefied air. I mean, I did throw a rock at the window. So both things, though. They remembered you and they thought enough of you yeah. to call you back. Both things. I, I'd Throwing a, good... a rock at the window definitely <laughs> it, leaves an impression. It leaves an see impression. See what I did? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do see that. I think that who I'd worked for in Boston um, was sort of an industry like known person for graphic design. And so uh, the design director was like, oh, you worked for Chris Pullman at WGBH. That stuck with them. Yeah. So. Wired Magazine being there, that's pretty cool. How long were you with, how long were you there? 
I think two years, and then I got pregnant with my first son, whom you got to see through graduation. And yeah. I, I was the first pregnant person, and they had no way to like do part time afterwards or whatever. So, you know, uh, I I did end. So I I left, uh, though I did come back to do some freelance stuff for them. Like we did, I did like several books with them. I did a book on the original Burning Man, which is sort of a wild. Like I thought yeah. it was wild then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so, sorry to be like blunt about it, but getting pregnant and leaving your career is a very mom thing to do for a, a woman that I'm talking to who is uh, uh, liberal on the political and philosophical oh, spectrum. Yeah. And so, do you consider yourself a feminist? Oh, golly. I wonder if anyone's asked me that. I guess so. I mean, yes. Yes, I do. I think, um, listen. Uh, you're, I have you, a reason why. I have a reason okay. to ask that. Okay. And my reason is, and you can weave it into what you were about yeah, to yeah. say, which is going to be brilliant. But, <laughs> but so, okay. So, if, 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 if that's a yes, then. So, where were you mentally and emotionally uh, getting pregnant, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to leave my career. Like, did, did that cause you to pause, or were you like, no, this is just? So I remember I did try to work with them again. Like, no one had ever been pregnant there, so I was trying to work with them. Like, I could work three days a week. I could work, you know, flex time or however you share job share. I could, you know, I I wanted to work something out and. Um, they just couldn't figure it out. I mean, probably now it could be considered some sort of suit, or if, but I didn't yeah. want to do that. And but also, just even in the working out, which does speak to the fact that you I still value your career. Your career. Yeah. But the working out part, men don't have to do that. Right. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I am a feminist. I think that for many years I thought that, and probably until about six or seven or eight years ago, I kind of thought, you didn't need to label yourself a feminist or take that um, title. And I think it changed for me when I realized, yeah, there's still a lot of double standards. Mm. There's, um, I'm, people listening may not under, know this, I'm white. Um, I'm very privileged. Um, it was a privilege to try to figure out if I could work part-time and so I could be with my baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's so a that's a point. privilege. That's a good point. That's a privilege. And, and my husband had a great job. So I was able to do that. And he traveled a lot. Like, it was going to be really hard. Um, was there any time, either during the pregnancy or right after, it was Ari? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that was, so you were pregnant with Ari. Was, it, was there any time during the pregnancy or right after, maybe in the first year or two, where you said, I can't believe that me, Amy Thomas Holworth, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, career giant, like, did you beat yourself up about it? Yeah, I would say actually for four years. I would say really? I had my second child and um, Jack. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jack. Shout out to Jack. <laughs> and um, it's not that I beat myself up, but I missed it. And I, it's sort of with your uh, your catchphrase, fear of retirement. Is mm-hmm. that what? Yeah. yeah. Like it, my identity was really tied up in being this cool photo editor person. Ah. You know, and I'd worked at Wired and I was this and I was that. And then shortly after Jack was born, so Ari was born in 95. So I was at Wired from, I think, 93 to 95. 
And Ari, Jack was born in 97, and then in January, and then in August of 97, we moved to Manhattan Beach. Okay. And here now, I'm sort of, you know, just a mom. And now, and I loved being a mom mm-hmm. to the kids, but I missed the identity. I, I, yeah. loved, I loved that. And it's a weird thing, right? It doesn't no. mean I didn't like being a mom and at all. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think it's real. And I talk to people a lot about this, people who are leaving public office, you know, people mm-hmm. who are, you know, your identity is, like my hairdresser's retiring after 20-some years. And she sent out this email, and we shared this moment where I said, How's, what the hell am I going to do? Well, yeah, no, no, there's that. There's that panic, but yeah. I'm medicated. It's fine. No, just kidding. Yeah. But I said to her, I said, I bet the identity part's going to be hard for you. Yeah. And she said, yeah, that's what she's been. Yeah. So. Well, sure. And I get hit with that a lot, too. Because yeah, oh, absolutely. During my time, I, I, my name and Costa were almost synonymous. Yeah, Principal Dale, Principal Ben Dale, Mayor Costa Ben Dale. And I just, They're I told you. Costa ring. I talked to Tara today, Tara mm-hmm. Green's. And Tara said, yeah, I mean, while you were here, any sentence that had Miracosta in it had you yeah. probably in the same sentence. So that was my identity too, but I did not, I do not miss that. Because that was my wife's uh, worry. Mm-hmm. She said, you're going to miss the fame of it. That's what she said. That's a really, I think, insightful. Because yeah. you are like a celebrity. You're like a local celebrity. I mean, but you left, first of all, we were talking before we started rolling. Mm-hmm. You left, uh, you know, pandemic. I mean, yeah. it was, it was a, and you moved. Yeah. So those things made it a little easier to sever from that, right? Way easier. Yeah. The, the upside of COVID is it created great transition opportunities for many Americans. Let's just say that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you say that because that will be used against me. No. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and so I think, and I definitely. So I you de- got here to Manhattan Beach and you're quote unquote just a mom. Yeah, no overalls. You know, and yes, this farm girl mom. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm assuming then, because I don't know, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that your new path, you started getting involved in the schools. In the schools, Because right. of your boys. Exactly. My kids were at, um, you know, Robinson. And so I was in the PTA, and then um, I was on school site council. And because I was on school site council, I would attend some school board meetings. Mm-hmm. And I'd go back. And let's just say I got a little bit arrogant and said, I could do this. And that's what happened. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not arrogance, it's leadership. You know, at the time, it, and no one, everyone was thinking, you know, nobody knows you. You know, you're from the smallest elementary school. You're yeah. school site council president. You have no background. Yeah. And I just said, I don't know. I want, and I think it was about communicating with people and connecting with people and all of that. I do too. And, but <clears throat> it's surprising to me that, that, that you were seen as that because you're so like no one knows you you're new (laughs) from the smallest because because now in a now in a real way you're synonymous with manhattan beach yeah yeah yeah. you know you're like the go-to person when somebody has an issue and wants to yeah wants a sounding board right that's yeah probably true yeah so it is hard it's funny to believe that how much of it how much of it though is this community 
and, and what I mean by that is, and I want you to help me with this, because I don't want to mess this up because uh, um, and say something wrong. Okay. Uh, were you at Amory uh, going away the PTSA Amory and uh, Amory Whitney? I don't. At her going away? Yeah, when she no. left the PTSA. No. Um, and Andrea Hines. Yeah. So they asked me to give a little speech. And, and so we're in the backyard at Amory's house. Mm -hmm. And it's three tables full of women. Mm -hmm. And I never really talked about it during my time at Costa. Maybe mentioned it to one or two people. But there is a study to be done in this community. Help me with this. Yep. And I, and I lovingly call it the study entitled The Women of Manhattan Beach. Oh, I, I, what is going on here? Yeah. This, well, is, this is really a phenomenon, I think. Hmm. Because they're, Manhattan Beach is run by powerful women. Mm -hmm. School board, city council, etc. Mm -hmm. Chamber. Mm-hmm. So, so help me with that. Like, what, yeah. what is up with that? No, I think it's really right. I mean, I, I said for a long time, listen, I'm, I, always, I actually always wanted to surround myself with people who were smarter than me. And, and somehow we landed in Manhattan Beach. And oh boy, you know, <laughs> um, I, you know I, when I got involved, Linda Feigl was, and I don't think you know her as well. Mm -hmm. she, I don't and, know her at all. So she was the PTSA President Robinson, and she was an ex-investment banker person, just brilliant woman. And, I, and Ida Vanderpart was PTA president at uh, Grandview, and Tammy Brothers was at, you know, Penny Camp. And so I'm- Cindy I'm, Ellenberg. Cindy Ellenberg and Beth Allen. And so I'm coming along with all these people, right? And it's like, we all helped each other rise. And there was such, it was a very special time when we all formed. Right, and we all helped each other rise. And Ellen, oh, Ellen Rosenberg, who wasn't as in wasn't PTA president when I first ran, but anyway, I mean, you know, amazing women. I think. And, and, and Susan Warshaw. Oh yeah, Penny, Susan. I mean, come Penny on, Penny Bordokas and Nancy Hurstman, all these people. And I think yeah. what happened happens in, in a place like Manhattan Beach. We have, you know, I talked earlier about being privileged, and I think there's a lot of people here who left their careers and or you know erica white raising oh. kids and yet you know these were really accomplished people really you know highly highly educated stanford wharton harvard whatever and so that's your volunteer pool right yeah and i'm just a, a girl from ohio in a public school but yeah. you know i talked a good game but really i think there's that it is so true and maybe it has to do with the toolbox mm. that, as I expressed to you in our earlier podcast, you know, you guys all had your toolboxes that you had spent a lot of time, money, and effort developing. And then you get in a relationship and have a kid. Mm -hmm. And now you've, accept, you've accepted, is not the right word, but you've now have this role mm. as a parent. But the toolbox doesn't go away, right? Well, it's, it's a great metaphor. I, and you add more tools to it. And hopefully yeah. now, like, I really like cordless drills, right? <laughs> like, I've got a pink one, by the way. And yeah. so hopefully you get new, better versions, you know? Yeah. I also like to think of it, you know how uh, 
you know, Apple keeps coming out with different iOS versions, you know, or Windows 2.0, 5.0, whatever they're up to. I like to think of it, there was, you know, Amy 2.0, which was probably Amy getting married, I think. There was sort of Amy prologue to that. Maybe Amy 2.0 was post-college, and then Amy 3.0 was, you know, marriage and kids, and then Amy 4.0 was political. Mm-hmm. You know, what's Amy 5.0 going to be? Yeah, what's 5G? What's yeah, I don't 5G? know. What's... I don't know. Like, yeah. I've been consulting. I've been doing things. I've got something really exciting that's sort of brewing. Um, I don't know. But I think that that's another good way for all of us to think about life where certainly unlike our parents' day where they usually stayed in one profession or one company, um, what's the next version? You know, what what have you, uh, f- you know, fixed in the operating system? You know, experience that was the hardest thing about leaving council is thinking about all this knowledge i had i mean because you were after the school board you're on the city council and you were the mayor yeah i was mayor twice right so i i got really lucky and then i a week before the election that replaced me because i was termed out by the way um it's not like i lost an election um uh, I called this consultant that the city had hired once to work with, and I had just been really impressed with her. And she had this agency up in Sacramento, and she consults with cities and schools. And, and I called her. I said, hey, Mary, what am I going to do? You know, it's all of a sudden I've been running these campaigns, and now it's like, what am I going to do? I have all, she's like, you're going to work for me. Hmm. It's sort of like throwing a rock at the window. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, being vulnerable, you put yourself out there. I'm really worried. What am I going to do? Oh, you're going to work for me. And so I've been consulting with cities, uh, water agencies, school districts around the state on governance and uh, team building. And because, right? Because I have all this. I can't think of anybody better. Right? It's, yeah. it's hard though. I, I've, I've experienced a lot of anxiety, not anxiety per se, but sometimes self-doubt like am I really going to impact these people are they going to really but it's I love it and I think I'm doing a good job but it's great to be able to take those tools because you know those were expensive tools I built up well I like what you're saying that's important to this podcast is that this different version of yourself the 5g version Mm -hmm. that's not our generation right and you alluded to your parents that you know you're you're a mechanic, and then you retire from being a mechanic. Right. And then, I don't know, you do, you do nothing because you're done being a mechanic. Right. You know, and it's kind of the same in our generation. So I think it's very, uh, it's very hip of you, right? It's oh, very, cool. it's very millennial of you. Oh, woo, I love that. Just to say, this Stop is <laughs> this is the new version of me. This yeah. is Amy Five G. I don't play golf or tennis. Right. And so if Good I for did, you. no, I I I wish I had something. Like that no, I'm... we're anti-golf on this podcast. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so good. you're you're among friends. All right, cool, cool. Thanks. Yeah. All right, everybody. But but your point about golf and tennis. Yeah, I don't. This is my because we can hobby. have discussion yeah. and disagree. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I I have this is my hobby. What I get joy out of is working together with people on a purpose. Right. You know, it may be putting a stop sign in. It may be educating people about law or what whatever but it's a purpose i look forward to that and it gets me going you know so i which is great yeah so i'm not ready to you know because it's uh, that's what that's what gets you up in the morning yeah yeah sometimes keeps me up at night but i'm working on that i believe you but what about real hobbies i don't know this about you 
What are Amy Hoer's hobbies? Uh oh, panic. Uh, so, you know, I, I am interested. Let's see. Like, literally, I don't think I have any. So, I like. Um, do you collect cat calendars? Or do you, <laughs> like, I'm looking hats. for that. I, I like hats. All right, you do. You know, have, photography. And you do post on social media in your different hats. I do. I've seen you do I that. I do. You're not overt about it, but I've noticed. I have my hats. And photography. Uh, and photography. No, and so I like the arts. I like going. You didn't take that one. That's Ty Cobb. No, that's Ty Cobb. You're right. right. And that's a very famous, like Walker Evans image uh, next to it. And then the two of them are from friends of mine who are photographers. I do like travel and I do, I like seeking out weird offbeat things. Like if I go someplace, I want to see, you're in Rome, you, and you know, you got to go see the Colosseum, you got to go do all that stuff. But what's a weird thing in Rome? Well, there's the, the cat hospital in Rome. That's cool. You know? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, I so, went to Salvation Mountain a couple weeks ago. So no stamp collecting, no, no, uh canning or working on cars or cross stitching or oh man I've, gardening I, I, well i like uh you know you don't have hobbies i don't have hobbies. see i'm what really bored what's going on what's going on i mean i like reading i read a ton um the only person today more nervous than you about their lack of hobbies eric carroll's why does he have a lot of hobbies he doesn't have any he doesn't have any either no because he, he plays baseball <laughs> yeah 20 years ago yeah that's right it's a long time to not have hobbies he was, he, 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 he was. I love that. You got to tell it. We got, we got, you know, we, we got to talk. He was talk. all over the place. Yeah. I just like being of use. You know, if people call and they say, hey, we need you. You're the person to help us with this. I like, oh, that's awesome. Right. Um, not a hobby. Not a hobby. See, I have passions. Not a hobby. I need a hobby. We watch a lot of TV. We're good. We're big watchers. Are you binge watcher? I'm binge watcher. Are you? So what you, what are you binge watching now? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not binge watching anything now because it feels episodic. I mean, I go from everything from like the Mandalorian and Boba Fett stuff nice, to, nice. you know, Succession. I know we share a love of the West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, what else? There, there's a show out, Severance. It's pretty weird. I'm not sure I'm into it now. Severance. I think I've seen it. This was Adam. Um, oh, no, where they, they, they can't take their work home. and they can't. Yeah. I want to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's a slow, it might be too slow. It's a little slow. My little ADD slow. is like, okay, I need, like, we were watching it the other night. Nobody's got shot yet. I need. <laughs> I need something. Yeah. I need an answer. But yeah. we loved 1883. 1883 and Yellowstone, man. I binged yeah. Yellowstone. I can't get Yellowstone. I don't have Peacock. I can't get it. Oh, we have all. We have everything. I can't get it. I yeah. don't have Peacock. Yeah. So. We, I mean, we're very into films and TV, you know, and that stuff. You're, I need hobbies. This do you is, read? I read a ton. What are you reading now? So right now I'm reading um, uh, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. And you read that? I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Um, that's, I read a lot of nonfiction. That's, I love the title, by the way. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. It's a great book. I highly recommend it to everybody. I've, okay. I've read a lot. Uh, I love this writer. who He did a book called Dreamland, which was about the opioid crisis in America. Mm-hmm. Sam Quinones, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And he has a new book out about meth and fentanyl. Mm. Um, I, I read Dreamland. Yeah, I thought Dreamland was... It's horrific. It was horrific, but it was also incredibly impactful on me because it's not... It wasn't the same kind of addiction and the same kind of path that, like, uh, kids take when they party too much. Like, it's not about your kid is too right. social in high school right. and they're drinking and then maybe they'll try pot, which is not good. I'm not saying that is. And then maybe they'll try something else 
or maybe they'll drink too much. This opioid thing, and there were kids in very fine communities and in ours, you know, who were led there, but it it's a, was a very different reality than I expected it to be. And it's set in an area of the country you're familiar with. Portsmouth, Ohio yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. the name of the book comes from the pool that was closed in Portsmouth, Ohio, Dreamland. the Dreamland Pool. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, so he's really impactful to me. So it hits close to home, literally. It does. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, I thank God, you know, I don't have a family member um, right now that, you know, it has been impacted by this. But so many of the people I grew up with, and these are people who have done well. They're teachers up in Toledo. They're lawyers. They're, they have had kids die. Yeah. So here's my Ohio story. Okay. We'll, we'll finish with this. Okay. I don't want to segue from kids dying and yeah, I know. be dismissive, just... but... <laughs> And, and, no, you can't it's help an it. impactive. You, maybe it's you a, can edit it. It's an impactful it. book, but I want to talk about something else. You can else. edit it, yeah. Yeah, I'm um, looking for other books that maybe are less. So when I told my dad I was getting married, mm-hmm. my southern dad, mm-hmm. I said, "Dad, I'm getting married. Where's she from?" <laughs> oh, the nor- north of the Mason Dixon line. I said, line. "She's from Ohio. You're marrying a Yankee." Yeah. Yes, sir. But she's from Cincinnati. I was just gonna say. <laughs> I see. I get that. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And he goes. All right, all right. It's just across the river from Kentucky. It's close enough. I totally get it. So that meant he accepted her, and he loved her. He loved Shelly, you know. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, loved her to death. And uh, but that that that's my Ohio See, I southern get, story. So here's what I want to say. I get that. I get how people where people are raised and they grow up impacts them and what how they think of the world. Yeah. Right. That your dad just. You know, that was his lens, right? And you can't yeah. blame him for his lens. He didn't really mean it, but he of course. kinda did. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get you. But you know, he, he would have loved her regardless because that's his daughter in law. Right. And he's, you know, uh, southern in that way too. Your mm-hmm. family now. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But he kinda meant it. No, and I totally get as soon as you, I knew where it was going, yes. I knew Cincinnati was going to be okay. Because it does feel a little different down there than like the part of Ohio where I'm from in northern Ohio. So that's that's great. Now it's... Um, She's not from Bay Village. Yeah, that's where my... That's so funny. That's where Chen's from. I know. And, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, Jennifer um, Cochran's from there. Yeah, yeah, that's and, what I meant. And Brett... Uh, oh, really? Um, the... Uh, who was a curriculum guy? Yeah, now I'm drawing blank on yeah, his last no, name. That's so embarrassing. No, it is, because he was sort of post my time. Yeah, my yeah. nephew lived up there, too. Yeah, that's great where place. he was from, too. Yeah, it's a great And his place. name will come to me as soon that's as he'll sign That's so up. funny. Yeah, they're from Bay Village. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. But they so. don't say that, say, we're from Bay. Oh, do they? Oh, that's, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. And and it's said in such a way, I think I did it justice, where you're f- supposed to feel less about yourself. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> But I'm from Coshocton, so we always feel less about ourselves. I Coshocton mean, is such a great name. It is, it is yeah, right? It's yeah. a totally great name, and I totally embrace it. And, um, yeah. it's. So I want to tell you about one quick thing, because I know okay. I have to go, you have yeah, to go, yeah, you have to wrap yeah. it up. But um, this thing that I'm, I'm working with somebody from LMU on, and I won't say much about it, but we're trying to think of a way to get kids from L.A. and kids from other places, maybe say Ohio, University in Ohio, together, like a small group of them, and take them across the country and have them meet people in different parts of the country to understand where people are really coming from and how they vote. And so get past what their gut bias is, like these kids, right? Take kids from LA and take Mm -hmm. them into, you know, Iowa, Ohio, the South, 
you know, have them meet with local officials there, have them find out what the issues are, have them understand where people are coming from and what their lens is so that we try to get beyond these um, divisions. So you're going to teach dialogue and discussion yes. and the value and yes. not wanting to shame and destroy people who and don't not judge, think, right, feel, and talk and the way And not looking do. down and yeah. try to understand. Like, I understand why somebody who's, you know, grown-ups, I have a friend who... You know, he and his family immigrated here from Russia, you know, and the guy is, you know, very anti sort of my liberalism, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I understand he's coming, you know, he was coming from an oppressed, repressed society and he worries about cancel culture and he worries about politically correctness and he worries about all that stuff because where he thinks it leads. I disagree with him, but I cannot fault him for that. Yeah. Because of where he's coming from. And you don't think he should lose his job over it? Well, he's retired. Oh. No, I don't. <laughs> so his job is just living. His job so you don't is think he should lose no, that job? No, I do not think he should lose his job. That would be, yeah, thanks, Ben. Let Put that in my clear. mouth. Let me be clear. You cannot cut and paste this into another way. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll come out of editing. So you yeah. want him to die? Yes. <laughs> I <Okay>. trust you. <laughs> see what you did there? I know. I, know. I, I, see, I, I see you. Okay, so how we end up is... Yeah. Uh, these these podcasts, you have Hatch Green Chili Hot Sauce to choose from, mm-hmm. and you have Prickly Pear Cactus Jelly to choose from. Both New Mexico Santa Fe delights. delights. So where are you? Where are you on it? Oh, I'm definitely with the jelly, and I'll tell you why. I actually like Hatch chilies. I have an allergy to a lot of peppers. Sort of not Hatch chili, but it's a little ter- you know terrifying. Prickly pear cactus jelly. It's not, I used to love red pepper jelly. You know, you ever have yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Can't have it anymore. So this sounds sort of interesting to me. So here, here's the team you're on. So uh, uh, the jelly has been picked by uh, Eric Karros, Jeff Rohr, and you. Come on now. And the, and the, and the hatch chili team is Neil mm-hmm. Perlmutter. And Debbie Hoffreiter. Okay. They're, they're, the, they're the, the chili team. Do we give similar reasons why? No. All there's right. no reasons needed. No reasons needed. You yeah. just, you're it's just, a pretty color. It's like something sounds really you different. You're, you're just a good. Cact- that's a good. See, this is the kind just, of stuff. So, this is the kind of stuff I would do uh-huh. with people. It's like, let's not talk about <clears throat> right, left, Republican, Democrat, you know, what we should teach in schools. Let's ask. Like a day of questions like that. I just want the jelly. You know? Can I just have the jelly? Can I just have the jelly? I like having dogs. Having implications. I like dogs. There's, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. It's okay. Go Bucks. Not going to root for Michigan. That's okay too. I'm not ready to stop disparaging cat people. Oh, no. I, I, did, I didn't evolved. say I was. Yeah, okay. That's fair. So you I know, like dogs. Fair. I like dogs. Yeah, no, you're right. But I, I tend to take it a step further and I, I, I disparage cat people. And to me, a cat person... Is somebody who just has one cat. You're a cat person. I mean, let's get into this. I know we have to go, but this is important. Yeah, but there, but if you here's here's my here's my stance. To be a dog person, you have to have two dogs. Oh, if you just have a dog, it doesn't make you a dog person. You just have a dog. You're 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 adjacent. You're dog adjacent. But to rise to the level of being labeled a dog person, you got to have two dogs. Okay. 
But a cat person is has one. one cat. You have a cat, you're a cat person, period. End of story. I think you have to have some magnets or posters around the house. With cats on them? Uh-huh. You can't just have a cat. I think, I think, I know a lot of people that I don't think are cat people yet that got a cat. Maybe they got a cat during COVID. One cat, I, I disagree, and, okay. but that's okay. I'm listening. And that's the lesson for today. That's the lesson for today. We disagreed on that and we're still friends. We're still friends. Amen. This has been fun. Thanks. I'm Dr. Ben Dale and I have a fear of retirement.